Well, that worship was great this morning. We wanted to uh, thank the early family for coming. Well, Matthew said that already, but it was just good. I would, to me, the worship is the most important thing for me personally. It's what I like to do at church is worship the Lord, and then everything else just sort of works out good. You know, you can... If you got great worship, you can preach like a like you know like you don't know what you're doing. Everybody still is happy with you, <laughs> right? Because you're just so touched by God, and that's the main thing. And if I had to say that was really the thing I want for this church more than anything else is that this church would really have this worship, that the Lord would be worshipped here, because I think out of that flows everything that the Father wants to do. Yeah, and <clears throat> so I. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for everybody who does all the stuff to make that happen. And I think preaching is important, obviously, in praying for people, you know. that's. But to me, all that's sort of the outcome of being able to worship the Lord. I'm just saying all this because I mean it sincerely, plus, I mean, I got so blasted in worship. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself into another gear here. So, anyways, the Lord's good, isn't He? Um, so... It's 11.18. We're going to do this. All right. We've been talking about dwelling places of God, and I hope that was a great message that Matthew gave last week, by the way. If you weren't here, get it. it's on the Internet. It was really a great word about the dwelling places of God. Uh, I was really blessed by that. So, you know, I hope my dream is for you to get some kind of impartation off of this. Um, I'm not sure if you are or not because I can't really tell at this point in time, but I believe the Lord can really do something for us um, in here in His heart for having dwelling places on the earth. And I believe all that's what God is, is doing. And I think if you really look at the Scripture closely, you'll discover that the whole Bible is written around dwelling places. The whole Bible centers around these dwelling places of God and, and where God wanted to come and dwell on the earth with man. And so that's it. Keeps the Bible. The Bible is a continuous, uh, you know, seamless word that's focused on these different dwelling places. And of course, the the last and greatest dwelling place will be, you know, the, the New Jerusalem, which is the body of Christ that will come to be in the earth in the last times. And so, so that's where we're going. That's the dream. Is we're going to be part of the New Jerusalem. Amen. And so this week I want to talk to you about the Tabernacle of David, which is the most pivotal, pivotal dwelling place, the most important one, uh, I believe, in the Scripture, because you'll see in a minute it's the only one that the Lord said he was going to rebuild. Uh, he didn't rebuild Moses' Tabernacle. He didn't try to go back. In fact, there's a place in the Scripture that says don't even go back to Bethel, you know, you know God was basically saying, I'm, I'm not revisiting that revelation but I'm going to revisit the revelation of the tabernacle of David. And so that's why it's so important. Now, if you remember last time I talked to you, uh, David had captured uh, Jerusalem, and his heart was to provide a resting place for God there. And the whole thing is to help us to see that places are important to God. Particular places, particular pieces of ground, physical ground on this earth are really important to God. We're a place individually. We're important to God for His, for Him to dwell in us and through us. And so David sort of reflected that, and, and when he captured Jerusalem and made it a place for the Lord, Mount, they call it Mount Zion, 
which is now in our heart. So that was the first thing he did. Uh, the next thing he did, uh, it says, First uh, Chronicles 15, 1, is David built a house for himself in the city of David. That's Mount Zion. That's Jerusalem. That's just another name for it. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. He prepared a place for the ark of God. The ark of God was the presence of God. He prepared a place for the Lord to dwell. Okay? That's what he did. He prepared a place. So there's a thing that God is calling us to do to make a place for him. It's a sad day when we want to make a place for the Holy Spirit in the church. You know, when really he's saying, no, you don't have to make a place for me. Just prepare a place for me, and I'll make a place for you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> once he's here, he makes a place for everybody. And that's what he's doing. So David did this, and then it says in First Chronicles 16:1. so they brought the ark of God. And I could tell you just a fabulous story behind it. But literally, the ark had been a hundred years. Now, I want you to get this. One hundred years the ark set in a little town uh, because it had been captured by the Philistines and they had gotten sick of it because of all the uh, hemorrhoids and tumors that it was causing in, on them. So they put it on a cart and the cows took it out of, out of uh, the Philistine territory into a little town. And it sat in this place for a hundred years all during the reign of Saul. And not once, not one time, not one time did Saul ever consider that ark sitting down there, which is the presence of the Lord. He never inquired of it. And that's what one of the things that David said is he said, Saul never inquired of the Lord while he was king. And he was king for 40 years, and they lived through 40 years of a king that really never went after the Lord, really never sought the heart of God. And so when, so when David became, he inquired of the Lord. And so he winds up going out and getting this ark. And he, <laughs> he might have messed up a little bit because he didn't inquire of the Lord how to actually handle the ark. And, of course, the Lord got a little upset with one of the guys who got too familiar with him and killed the dude. <laughs> you know, God is good, isn't he? Thank you. He's not, he's not killing people today if you touch his presence like he did old Uzzah. But Uzzah had actually grown up with the ark. A lot of people don't know that. He grew up, him and the other guy that were managing the ark, trying to bring it in Jerusalem, they actually grew up. It sort of tells you sometimes Christians, especially Christians who are wanting to be in the presence of the Lord, get used to the presence of the Lord and, get, and begin to treat the things of God in a wrong way. Do you know what I'm talking about? You, the tyranny of the familiar do y'all understand that? And, and so we have to be real careful about the presence of the Lord that we don't mistreat it and we don't make presumptions and assumptions about the presence of the Lord because it's the most precious thing there is. Every drop of oil that God gives us is to be treated pre precious and not to be looked down on and not to, to, not to be treated as a, in a casual way. Amen? And so then it says, They brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. So, the, you know, the tabernacle was just a, a tent, and there was just the presence of God in the tent. And, and that's all there was to it. And now, at the same time, the tabernacle of Moses still existed. Okay, and so this is really important. It existed in another physical location, 
And David actually put priests over there to tend to that tabernacle. But the problem was that tabernacle did not have the presence of God in it. You see what I'm saying on that? You can have two tabernacles, two dwelling places. One can have the presence of God in it and one can't. And yet they went about doing their, the thing over there in the tabernacle of Moses. They kept doing it, but God wasn't there anymore. He was over in this other place. And see, what God's looking for is people that will be in the place He is, not keep going the way you were going in your life, and God's no longer there in that thing. You see what I'm saying? And there were people who actually just kept going down that old road that God was done with. And that's one of the things that Tabernacle of David brings out. Let me read Acts 15, 16 through 17. I would really urge you to read all through First Chronicles 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. And it talks all about how this thing was brought. It's fascinating, uh, all the revelation that you would find for your own personal life that happened during, the, during this time with David. A lot of people don't know this about King David. King David was like an awesome dude, right? Everybody loves King David. He was with this awesome worshiper. He was this awesome psalmist musician, warrior, king, priest. But he was one of the greatest administrators there probably ever was. If you go and study what he did, it took a brilliant mind to put together what he put together and administrate what God wanted to do on the earth. There's a gift of administration that God wants to release in the earth for his cause, for his purpose. That's exciting to me. It's really exciting to me. Or Acts fifteen sixteen through 17. After this I will return and re- will rebuild the tabernacle of David. See, this is what they're, they're saying. This is James uh, talking. This is when they had this big argument in the church early on when the, when the uh, Gentiles started getting saved and that some of the Jewish believers wanted to make them follow the law. And James and these guys were saying, whoa, whoa how can we expect them to do something we couldn't do ourselves?" And this is what James said, I will, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. This is what the Lord's saying. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. In other words, what, what God was saying with the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of David was this open thing. And for all people could seek the Lord. Not just, not just the Jews, but all people. Suddenly God was available to all mankind. And that's really one of the great points when you'll see in a second. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Okay? And so that's really like at the heart of what David was trying to do with this tabernacle is get God out there where everybody could see God and know God. And so that's one thing that we can say about the tabernacle of David is open access to the manifest presence of the Lord. Now, here's the truth. This is what we need to hear. Uh, let's put that 1 Corinthians 1 4. This is from the Message Bible. Um, somebody told me, I didn't know when I came to this church I would need four different versions of the Bible. <laughs> I like using different versions, but this is awesome. Every time I think of you, and I think of you often, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God given by Jesus. Free and open access to God. 
You see, that's one of the first things about the tabernacle of David. That is what we're living in. Free and open access to God. That's powerful, isn't it? Here's what the, the powerful other side of that story is. How many of us are living our lives knowing in our heart, believing that we have free and open access to God to the point that we are actually doing that? Not many Christians engage God on that level where we in our hearts totally believe that we have this open access to Him, that there's nothing between us and God, that we can access God, we can visit God, we can see God, we can be in God's presence whenever we choose to be. That's really good news to me. I don't know about you, but that makes a difference in my life. When I know, when I'm living from a point where I believe in my heart, I can access God right now. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I've been a good person or a bad person. I have a good attitude or a bad attitude. I still have open access to God. And that's really what the, the whole gospel message is about. It's about this tabernacle of David where God wants to provide for people to, to convince you and I of something we are really not convinced by. Otherwise, we would act completely different. There's a scripture in Psalm 68, 19 that I just am amazed at. This is what it says. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us up with benefits who daily loads us up with benefits. I'm not talking about yearly. I'm talking about monthly. I'm not talking about bi-weekly or at the end of the week. When you, I'm, it says daily. How many of us wake up in the morning and say to God, God, what are the benefits that you have loaded up for me right this moment, right this day? Not many of us live like that. And why don't we live that way? It's not that we, that God, we've done something to cut ourselves off other than we don't believe it. We don't think that way. Do we think that way? Do we really think that way? That today God has loaded me up with benefits. Or do we sit there and bear through another day of our Christian life hoping to get through it? Because I think that's what most Christians do. We don't believe that God has loaded all these benefits for us and that we have easy access to them. Therefore, we don't believe it. We are not able to access it. This is one thing the Lord showed me recently. I started thinking about that chapter in Deuteronomy where it talks about all the blessings and curses. Chapter 28. And one of the things it says... If you don't serve the Lord with gladness, you're going to be cursed. And it goes through all these curses. And I was thinking about, well, how does that work in the New Covenant? And this is how it... Because God would never curse you and I today. Because Jesus took the curse for us, right? I don't believe God curses anybody in the New Covenant. But I do believe this. I do believe we can cut ourselves off. Right? Our believing rules us. And I think there's times we cut ourselves off the way we believe. In other words, we're, we're going through this groan in our heart of what we, we're not serving the Lord with gladness. Those curses are coming on people not because God's cursing us. It's because we've cut, him, cut ourselves off with our unbelief. Yeah. Well, the Lord was talking to me about my smart mouth about complaining about stuff. <laughs> what was happening? Like, is that serving me with gladness, all this complaining? you're doing right now about stuff you have to do that you don't want to do uh, no are y'all are y'all engaging on this you see god wants to load you up with benefits that's one of the great revelations of the tabernacle of david the benefits are there for you 
They're available for you. There's nothing on God's part that's keeping you from having them. I keep talking about the Luke 15 a million times. One son got everything and ran away and acted like a fool and lost everything. Came back and he got everything back. The other son lived right there but couldn't ha- had everything but couldn't get access to it because he thought he had to do something to get it. Most, most people in the church are that. Most of us are elder brothers sitting in here this morning. God has already blessed us. But we're out there in the field slaving for God, mad and angry because God's blessing other people. Wondering why He hasn't blessed us. And the Father said, everything I have is yours. I mean, it's all yours. It's all yours. Everything I have is yours. That's the daily life. And so every morning you wake up, what can I have today? How can I live right this second? That's really what the gospel is. And when we begin to think that way and act that way, then we can begin to access those benefits. We can begin to see what they are and how they apply into our lives. And we find out they were there all the time. Because I guarantee you when people die, the moment they die, they realize, oh, great, I had all this and I never got it while I was here. They see it. Are you all all right? So the second thing is, is unity. Okay? This is a while during Solomon's, but later Solomon began to lose grips on the kingdom. Okay? The Bible says in Amos 3, how can two walk together unless there is unity? This, I was saying, Lord, what unified Israel under David's leadership? Was it just David? I don't think it was just David. I think it was, because, it was the presence of the Lord. I think God was in the center of the place. Not the people. Because everything David did, he would say he did it all for the glory of God. Everything he did, that was his goal. I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to build this temple for God's glory. It wasn't for his ministry. It wasn't for his kingdom. It was all for God. And see, this is what I think happens to us. Is we shift out of this thing where God is no longer the center of our... it's, It's us. We're in the center of our Christianity. We want church to be our way. We want our ministry to be about what we're doing. I mean, all those things are okay, but when God's not the center of our lives, something gets messed up. And so we try to have this unity with other people when we're not really even having unity with God, which is impossible. You can't have unity with a bunch of other people if you're not unified with the Lord. That's the only way. See, our goal shouldn't be try to have unity. I can have unity with a lot of people, but if I don't have unity with Becky, there's something wrong with that, right? I'm going down. You know? Yeah. We're all going down. So I need to have unity with the person I'm closest with. Then the other people I can have unity. And so, you see, that's the way it is with God. We need to have unity with God. Not with other people, first with Him. And we need to agree with Him and what He wants to do and what His desires are. That's unity with God. When God is saying, this is what I want, this is what we want, Lord. I want to be worshipped. We're going to be worshippers then. That's where we got this idea at about worship. Because it says the Father's looking for worshippers. And we said, okay, well, that's what we're going to do then. He didn't say He's looking for workers Okay, he said, I'm looking for, for he, he said, y'all pray for some workers, I'm praying for worshipers. Y'all, y'all need workers, go pray for them, I'm looking for people to worship me. 
And when we become worshipers, we become the greatest workers there ever was. That becomes an automatic, that becomes an outcome of our lives of, of loving God. Are y'all getting this? I'm nervous about you. You know, Revelations 22:17 says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. It didn't say the Spirit said it. It says the Spirit and the bride. The bride was saying the same thing that the Holy Spirit was saying. That's real unity right there. It's when we are beginning to say the same thing that God's saying about everything we're doing. If God's saying, I'm saying come, come. If God is saying, I'm saying laugh, laugh. I'm saying weep, weep. We're just going to be in that kind of unity with Him. That's really what He's looking for in our lives. And the only way we can have that is we let Him be the center. And Jesus actually prayed this. Can I read that to you? You're talking about a good prayer. John 17, 22 through 23. He said this, The glory which you gave me, this is Jesus talking, he's talking about the Father, I have given them. In other words, Jesus has given us glory. That's what he says. I have given them glory. Okay? And that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, and they may be made perfect in one. That's perfect in unity. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's powerful. That's, that's a powerful statement. And so that's what the Lord's looking for, is that we'd be so unified with His heart. Y'all are just looking at me. I guess I don't know what else, you know, what else should you do? Not look at me? Look away? All righty, let's look at Ephesians two eighteen through 22. Honestly, this is, what, this is the way you're going to get it. This is an impartation here. I can't, I, for the best of me, I can't teach you this. I really can't. But there's an impartation on this. I'm going to still tell you that right now. This is my goal in life right here. It says, Ephesians 8, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. There it is. We have access to the Father. That's powerful, isn't it? One spirit is covering us there. That's a good point, Doug. Unity in the presence of God, right there, one spirit, to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're members. You're, you're, you belong. You're in the house of God. You are in the Father's house. You belong there. You have a place there. You're a member there. That should, that, if that is revelation in your heart, that will change you more than anything else. If, that, if you really know that, that will cause something radical to happen in you. It'll make you go crazy. It'll make you go nuts. It'll make you grow spiritually like you've never grown before in your life. Just that one thing that I know. Wait a minute. Hold on, gosh. Finally, in my life, I belong. Everybody on this earth is looking for that. Everybody. There's not a soul that's not walking on this earth that's not looking to belong. And God has said, you belong. You belong. And he's begging us, pleading with us to know you belong. You're not an outsider. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself an outsider. Nothing. Not a thing. And he wants the world to know that. And we don't even know it. We're not living it. 
He's begging people to know that. And when we got, get to know that, everything in our life changes. And then somebody sent me an email and said they didn't appreciate me yelling. Well, um, I have a, I'm out of control sometimes. I have to be careful with my life. <laughs> Can't do nothing wrong. There you go. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fit together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Listen to this, verse 22. In whom... This is what all this is about. You are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God is building people. He's wanting to build dwelling places. He's wanting to take individual people and put them together and make a place where He lives, where God lives. And people can go, just like they did during the reign of David, and see God. I mean, see Him with their natural eyes. God's calling out. His a hunger in God's heart to have this tabernacle of David reestablished all over the earth in different places where people can come and be with God and touch God and know God because He's touchable. He's knowable. And He's trying to help us discover Him and see Him and experience Him on that level where it changes our lives. The thing, the only thing that stops us is what we believe. It's, it's the only thing that stops us. Is we don't really believe it deep down inside. We suspect there's something else. We suspect it can't be that easy. Or we think, no, God's not because I'm such a bad person. I have these bad thoughts. I, I think these bad things. I do these bad things. And that's going to keep me from God. And God's already taken care of everything at the cross. He's already done all that. Trying to help us. Know Him and love, be loved on by Him. So we can, the things that in us that are so alive that He's put in there, that they can explode out of us in a healthy, wholesome way, not in an unhealthy, unwholesome way. That's God's dream. That's God's dream. That's what God's been doing ever since Jacob anointed that stone and says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He got the revelation. God's going to build a house in the earth. And there's only one stone here, so I'll build a house with this one stone. Can I read this one more scripture? Are y'all all right? This is the prayer. Y'all have read this scripture so many times. I don't, hadn't read it lately, though, so I thought I've, I've been a few months now. I haven't talked about this scripture in church, although I pray it almost every day. This is a great prayer, by the way. It's what Paul prayed right before he talked about this dwelling place in Ephesians 1. Everybody knows it in this church. He says, Also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That's number one, knowledge of Him, knowing Him, relationship with Him. Then he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Listen to this, that you may know what is the hope, listen, of His calling. I hit that just to emphasize. His calling. Have you thought about His calling? Have you thought about God's calling? His calling. The hope of His calling. Not my calling. Oh, I might have a calling to be a pastor, but that's not what He's talking about right there. He's talking about His, big H, His calling, which He explained in Ephesians 2.22. His calling is for a dwelling place on the earth. That's what he is, Paul's talking about. That we would know that. That we would see that God's calling that he has is to build this dwelling place and that we would know it. That we would know that his calling was this dwelling place on the earth. The manifest presence, the tabernacle of David raised up in 2012, and 2013, and on and on and on. His calling. Pray that over your children, that they would know that. I'm, I'm serious. Pray that over your children. And then he says, this is powerful. What are the riches of the glory? His. His inheritance. You know what his inheritance is? You're looking at one of them. Yeah. We're the inheritance. When we begin to see, this is important. We, this is about identity. When we begin to see ourselves to who we really are. We are God's inheritance. When we begin to see, and that's what I'm praying for my children, my grandchildren. Oh, Lord, please, please give them that spirit of wisdom and revelation so they can see who they really are. Because they're going to have the whole world telling them who they are. They don't need to know any of that. They need to know who you say they are. They are your inheritance. They are your sons. They are your daughters. And this is what you'll learn when you begin to get that revelation. You'll quit living your life out of what you do. You'll quit living your life out of your callings, out of your giftings, out of your professions, out of your talents. You'll quit all that. Because you'll find out on some days you might have a really good anointing for your calling. But there's going to be days when your anointing may not be so good. You know? There's going to be some people that's going to love your gifting, but there's going to be some people that don't care nothing about it. You've got to be able to walk through both of those days. The only way you can walk through both of those days is know something better. Is I'm a son. I'm a son. I don't care if they don't love it. He loves it. He loves me. I'm a son. I'm his inheritance. I'm his glorious inheritance. Now, I've told people this lots of times. I go to these meetings with these pastors, okay? Sometimes there's these really prominent people there that have these famous ministries that everybody watches on television. And So I walk in the door and this thought hits my mind. What are you doing here? You're nothing. You're nobody. You're a failure, actually. You know what happened? That person said that. Oh, yeah, what am I doing here? Oh, God, what am I going to do? Wait a minute, hold it. 
I'm here because I'm a son. I belong. I have open access to the Father. I'm living in His house. I'm not here because of my calling. I'm not here because I'm a pastor. I'm here because I'm a son. That's all that counts. And when you start thinking that way, you can get through those rough moments. You can get through those bad days. You can get through those days when you do well and it not go into your head. And you can get through those days when you go bad and you just like, I want to quit. You'll get through them like, oh, it doesn't matter anyway because I'm a son. I'm a son if I do good. I'm a son if I fail. I'm a son if I keep going. I'm a son if I give up. I'm a son if I sin. Do you hear that? I'm a son when, when I sin. I'm still a son. I can get up and say I'm still a son. Because I failed in that moment did not disqualify me. I failed God. Mercy. I failed. Okay. Here. Here's the ring. Here's the rope. Put it back on. Let's go. You don't have to do that. That's liberating. That's what knowing the glorious inheritance of His, His glorious inheritance, not mine, His. And like Becky said, are y'all okay? That's what she said. <laughs> what she said was, I probably should stop. <laughs> what she said was, we give to God, but God's given to us the whole time. Because we wouldn't, He's so generous. You know, he just can't help but give. Anybody starts giving, he says, wait a minute, I'm challenged. You ever think about it? You come and start, I'm, I'm just going to give a sacrifice of praise to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Wait a minute, I'm challenged. He thinks he's going to out-sacrifice me. Come on. You think you're going to out-give. Oh, God, I'm going to give you. I got $10 in my pocket. I'm going to give it this morning. Wow, come on. I got 20 God will always, he's up to the challenge. Every time we give, he just says, okay, I'll up it. I'm going to give you some more. That's how God is. That's how God lives. That's how He thinks. Are y'all y'all are good? I'm not saying it because she said don't say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. Chuck's gonna give a word. It's gonna be a crying word. Um, <clears throat> for y'all that don't know, I got a job. And uh, I work for a poor. Shoot. Oh, shoot. I got a. I work for a dairy, a farmer. And uh, <clears throat> this morning I woke up. First of all, my job is I'm the field team. I get on the tractors and I tear up the ground to plant the seed. That's all I do. I don't milk the cows. I don't feed the cows. I don't do anything else. That's what I do. And uh, when the when it breaks, I stay at home. When you know the equipment breaks, I stay at home because that's my job. I I get on the tractor and stuff. Okay. This morning I woke up and uh, I was watching a movie. Who's who's ever seen Facing the Giants? That's a great movie. See it again. Okay. See it again. In there, a word popped out at me. He said, there was two farmers, and he said that they were in a drought. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'm in a drought. You know, we all sort of feel like we're in a drought. 
And he and both of them prayed, saying, Lord, we need rain. God, we need rain. Okay, one farmer didn't do anything but pray. The other one went out and prepared his fields for the rain. Okay? That's what Byron's trying to tell you. Prepare your fields. The rain is coming. You hear that? So, my job, if you go out 801 and you see that big milk carton, has anybody ever seen that? That's where I work. We're preparing 300 acres for seed. And if you've ever been on a tractor trying to plow up 300 acres, Lord have mercy. And you don't have a radio to listen to. That's the most boring thing in the world you ever done in your life. You do. You do. Well, let me tell you, the Lord wants to give you this deposit to back up what he's trying to say this morning. And you're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to sing it to you. You are mine. You are mine. (coughs) The apple of my eye. Never fear. Do you hear that? Never fear. I am near the clouds, even though the clouds may dim the sky. My peculiar treasure, Mr. Davis, I will love thee ever with a love that naught can sever. Nothing can ever sever his love to towards you. Do you hear me? If you can't believe anything else this morning, believe this. There's nothing that can ever sever the love of God from you. And then the last thing he wants you to know is you are mine. You are mine. All righty. You are mine. That's pretty good. Why don't we stand up and be his, right? One little quote here that someone pasted or put on Facebook this week that really spoke to my heart, and it's very simple. And she said this, The Lord showed me that my relationship with him is like two little children playing. I have nothing to figure out. Isn't that something? The Lord showed me it's like two, my relationship to him is like two kids just playing. There's nothing to figure out. Isn't that good? So I just want you to leave here today knowing that the Lord is making each one of us a dwelling place for him. But it's really simple. There's nothing to do particularly to get to it but open our hearts to him. Just let him love us and let that revelation flow in us and to the world around us that we're his. And that's the preparation. Because here's what's happening is that the Lord is preparing this house for rain. And it's going to take every one of you here walking in that revelation of the people that are going to walk in this place needing desperately that that revelation. Every one of us walking in. Every hand will be needed. I'm even kids. 
are going to be releasing that revelation. You know, and this week, um, or last week, even dealing with a, a lady from the bank setting up some new stuff in the office, she was sitting in the building. She knew what we'd been through, and she said, it just feels really comfortable in here. And I began to tell her about our revelation here about the Father's house, that we want everybody to feel that they belong. And I told her about the Father's heart. She said, that just stirs me. Because really, that's what the world needs. And that's the preparation. That's what David saw. David knew God. He was a man after the Father's, the dad. He was after God's own heart. He tapped into that. And that's why he wanted a tent that was open for the whole world to come and say, look at my daddy. Look what I've got. Look what we've got here. Come take. So, Lord, this morning, we are just asking you, Lord, to just come. Holy Spirit. Lord, all the religion that has messed us up, God, from the simplicity, simplicity of knowing you, Lord God. We're just saying, Lord, come and just rain down on this body, each and everyone. Lord, we desire to be a dwelling place for you. Lord, we desire for more people to come in and find your heart, your, your heart, their home. Lord, in our heart, your home, Lord. So just come, Holy Spirit. And I just want the ministry team to come up. There are still people here battling with feeling like they don't belong, that really have lots of stuff on them, feeling like they just aren't going to make it. But, Lord, we just want to release this morning that simplicity. Simplicity, Lord. That we're like just two kids playing. There's nothing to figure out. It's just us and you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father's heart released here this morning. Father's heart released afresh. Mm. Lord, we are yours, the apple of your eye. There's nothing to fear. Mm. Just come on up. One thing I wanted to share with you that, that Jackie's been telling me for a long time, which sort of came together this morning, is, you know, what we have to do is let go of what of the seeds that we have. And a lot of those things are the hurts, the disappointments, the losses that we've gone through and experienced. That you, that's the seed. That if you'll let get go, that's where the harvest can really happen. But you have to let it, you have to let it go. You can't hold on to what was. You can't hold on to the pain or any of that. It's I believe, you know, this morning we all probably have things we could let go of that we're holding on to. <laughs> we have to learn the things that we want to hold on to the most is really are lots of times are things we need to see to let go of. Just let them go and put them in the ground and put them in God's heart. So when you just come up this morning, some of you just need to come up and get some ministry and somebody just need to come up and let go of some stuff so if you want to do that now's a great time we just have this time the lord bless you